series here in the book of Daniel. And you know, everyone has moments in their life when, when things are going pretty good. You know, you're, you're rocking along pretty good. And then you get news or something happens in your life and you know that everything just changes. In that moment, in that instant, everything changes. And this week, Brooke and I had had one of those moments in our life. And our oldest son, Lane, um, last month he, he had a, a procedure done on his heart. So we went in for a follow-up checkup this last week, and they bring us in to Children's, and they do some tests on him, and they put us in a room, and and the doctor comes in with the results, and and he, you know, he kind of has this little puzzled look on his face, kind of concerned, and he sets us down, and he says, guys, I have some some bad news. The surgery that we did, it it didn't take, or it didn't work, and we knew there was a chance this would happen, Um, but we didn't, you never think it really will happen, you know, you, you know, so they say there was a high um, success rate for this surgery. So he basically says, you know, we didn't really do any damage, but we didn't do any good. And and he's going to have to have it done again. He's going to have to have another procedure done. Um, and, you know, life can just hit hard sometimes. Um, and when we were leaving the hospital, my wife turns to me and she says, you know, I feel like someone has just punched me in the stomach. Um, and that's just that's just life sometimes, right? It, it can it can hit us hard, and when everything is going kind of good, we we tend to forget that that life can be tough. It can be hard, and, and maybe for you, um, you've received some news either recently or in your past that has reminded you that that not, life can just knock you off your feet at times, and, and maybe for you it, it was some news that you received at the at the doctor. And uh, the test came back, and it's cancer. And, you know, it's devastating. And, and maybe f- for you, it was a, a, a note from your boss, or the boss calls you in, and, and you've spent years pouring your life into this job. And they let you know that, that you've been let go. Or you receive an email from your spouse saying that, you know, they no longer love you. Or, or maybe a text from your child saying, you know, I want to go live with, my other parent, you know, whatever it is, just fill in the blank. Maybe it was a letter or a text or a call from fill in the blank. Well, you know, Harley, I think we, we need to be really clear here too. Um, some will say that if you're living a life that is following Christ, then everything will work out. And if everything is not working out, then you must be doing something wrong. But that's just not a gospel that you find in the Bible. That's just not true. That we go through tough times. But when life hits hard like that, in that moment you can feel exhausted or emotionally empty, possibly alone. And, you know, we can feel this way for for days or weeks or even months to come. And you may even feel like you're just completely done. You feel maybe abandoned and alone to just endure this pain. And you ask these kind of questions. You ask, what now? You know, what now when when life suddenly, drastically, devastatingly takes a change for the worst? And I I don't have answers to these tough questions. But thankfully... I know my Heavenly Father does. And to answer this, we're going to, to continue in the book of Daniel. 
this morning. We're going to be in chapter 3, but to try to give you a little background of where we're going this morning, I want to tell you a little bit what's going on here in in Daniel 3. So uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, that was the king at the time where Daniel was in captivity in Babylon, he had a dream, and the dream worried him so much that he couldn't sleep. So he calls in all his advisors and his wise men, and he says, hey, I've had a dream. I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. I want you to tell me the dream and what the dream means. And they're like, nobody can do that, King. You, king done lost his mind. You know, and no one could answer the king's question. The king gets furious. He gets mad. He says, okay, I'm going to kill all the wise men in Babylon. Every last one of them are going to die because they're no help to me. So this news spreads to Daniel, and Daniel and his friends fell in this category of advisors or wise men to the king. And so they too would be killed. So Daniel says, hold on, hold on, I think I may can help here. So he prays to God and he says, God, I know you know everything about everything. I know you know what the king's dream was. Help me to tell the king what the dream is and then the interpretation of the dream. God does reveal to Daniel what the king's dream was. So he goes to the king and says, hey, king, I know what your dream was. Your dream was about this statue, um, this huge statue, and it crumbles to the ground in a bunch of pieces. And he said, the dream is really about you, and it's about your reign, and you you will not reign forever. You will be overthrown, and then the king after you will be overthrown. And he, he goes to this explanation of the dream. And, and then some time passes, about 16 years, and we pick up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. The verse will be on the screen. And it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, and nine feet wide, and set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent out a message to the high priests, sorry, the high officers, the officials, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the providential officials to come to the dedication of the statue he set up. Verse 3. So all the officers came and stood before the statue king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted shouted out, People of all races and nations and language, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all these musical instruments, basically when you hear the band start playing, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the burning furnace. So there's a furnace, a a large furnace sitting right there, more than likely the furnace used to create the huge statue. Just standing there and they're saying, anyone that doesn't obey this, they go in the furnace. Verse 7, so at the sound of the music instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed him on the Jews. So these astrologers, most likely jealous work associates of these three Jewish men, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, come to the king, and this is what they said in verse 9. Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, all those musical instruments, the band, when the band plays. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the burning furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
whom you put into charge of the providence of Babylon. He says, okay, king, these are your guys that you set in charge. And they refuse to serve your God, your gods, and do not worship the gold statue you've set up. So when you, when you read this, you may be thinking, okay, here's these three Jewish guys, but where's Daniel, you know? And if you remember, Daniel was, he was above this. He had a, uh, a position in the government above these guys. So he was most likely on assignment for the king. So in verse 13, it tells us what, what Nebuchadnezzar did next, which is what he was good at doing. Um, 13, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, the king's mind, this is not going to go well. When they were brought in, King Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I've set up? And Harley, go ahead and take us to the rest of this. So he says to the guys, he says, I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue. He said, this is your chance. This is your opportunity when the musical instruments play. He says, but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, he says, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? And so here he begins to use intimidation. Still a great tool of the evil one today. In your life and my life is intimidation. He wants you to feel when you're going through something, he wants you to feel alone. In fact, he's going to do his best to isolate you from all other people who really could encourage you or help you to make you feel alone. And, and he wants to remind you that you're alone. And often in our lives, we do feel alone. But we have to operate on the fact of what we know from God's word and separate that from the way that we feel. There's also a reminder Nebuchadnezzar is giving them, not only are you alone, gentlemen, but I am more powerful than you and I can do whatever I want. And the evil one wants you to feel the same way about that. He goes on to say in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O king, or O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. In other words, we don't have to. We are not alone. It may look like that we are alone in this, King Nebuchadnezzar, but we are not alone. And sometimes if I am in the wrong frame of mind when I'm going through something, guess what? I'm going to feel alone. But the truth is that I have to hang on to is that I'm not alone. I can't always choose to believe what I'm thinking. I have to understand that there's a truth beyond my feelings at that moment. I'm not alone in this. Now, here's a question for you. What is your this? What is it that you are going through? What is your this that the evil one wants you to feel alone in right now, that he wants you to feel powerless in right now? What are you facing right now? Verse 17. If we are thrown... They're continuing to talk to the king. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. They're saying to the king, you know what? You are powerful. In fact, king, you are more powerful than we are, but we will be rescued some way. Somehow we're going to be rescued. We're going to be delivered. Now, I was taught three possibilities in this. I want to share those with you. Here's option one. If you 
are faced with a fire, a trouble, a trial. The first option is that God may deliver you from that fire. We might get close to it, but God has the potential to deliver you from the fire and you will never go into the fire. So let's make this personal now. Let's just assume that every single one of us have found something abnormal in our biology. We went to the doctor and he agrees. He does a biopsy and that test result comes back. The biopsy is confirmed. Yes, you have cancer. Let's just assume that that's true for all of us. Each one individually. We're faced with cancer. So let's say that's a fiery trial, right? We're going into the fire, possibly. So let's say the doctor says to you, all right, it is cancer, it's confirmed, and it's nasty. This is a nasty kind of cancer. I want you to come back in three weeks. We're going to do some scans to prepare for surgery and treatment. So three weeks later, during that three weeks, you share this with your small group, and they began praying for you. You share this with your family. They began praying with you, too. You share this with some friends, people at work. You share this with with people who begin to pray, and you're praying, God, will you take this away? Three weeks later, let's say you show up for your scans. The doctor, you get to go through the scans. You meet with the doctor, and the doctor is shaking his head. He's saying, you know what? I have no idea. I, I mean, it, it, it was there, cancer, but it's not there. It's not showing up. That could happen. God could choose to take that from you, and you never, ever had to go into the fire. And that could happen to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here as they're talking to the king. They understand that could happen. God can take this away and we may never have to deal with any of this. And if that happens, then our faith gets bigger. Our faith gets bigger. I mean, it grows. And that would happen for you if that happened. I mean, as you told this story to the people around you, their faith would grow as well just knowing what had happened. Now, the thing is, though, usually it grows for a really fast in that moment, but then you let a little time pass by, let some months go and some years go, and usually for most people, even if this happens, we go back to our abnormal. It grows for a little while. In that moment, in that instant, but not long term. But you know what the real thing is here. God has the power to do that, and he does it. You've heard the stories, haven't you? And when we show up with this scenario, we're saying, that's what we want. We're not stupid. We're not idiots. That's what we're praying for. God, take this from me. Deliver me from this fire so I don't even have to step in. But there's another option. Option number two. God could deliver you through the fire. He may choose to walk you in and then walk you out, but you're going through it. That's a possibility. Let's go back. So let's say, yes, you had cancer, the biopsy, it came back, yes. You did the scans, they're prepared, they do surgery, and then you do treatment, and you understand, I've got it, and I am going into this fire. God did not take it from me. It is there, it's still there, I am going through this. And now you're praying, God, take me through this, walk me through this, take me in and walk me out on the other side 
alive and well. But walk me through. And God may choose to deliver you through the fire. What happens when we go into a fire? Think of it for just a moment from the standpoint of just gold. When you, when you have gold, you've got to, if you've watched Gold Rush, <laughs> you, when you have gold, you've got to melt it down. You get it hot. You burn away the impurities. Everything that's not good, solid, pure gold burns away or separates when it gets hot and melted. And so it takes that fire to purify that gold. It takes that fire to refine that gold. One way to think of it is this. All of the fake stuff inside of that gold gets burned away. So you have the real deal. And if you go into the fire, if that's God's choice to deliver you through the fire, to walk you in and to walk you out the other side more refined, more pure. One way to look at it is the fake, the fakeness in our lives gets burned away. Because when you're in the fire, you don't have the strength to pretend that everything's okay. You don't have the strength to be fake anymore, do you? If you're in the fire, you're surviving with God's help. And the fakeness begins to melt away, burn away. So that's a result. If God chooses to deliver you through the fire, it means he's walking you in. And he'll walk you out. And what happens to you? You become purified. Not only does your faith get stronger, but you become purified. You become more real, more genuine. And the people around you, they see what's happening and they see the changes taking place because of the trouble, the fire that you have been in. And many times their faith grows because of what you have gone through. So God could choose to take it from you, and you may never have to step into the fire at all. He might choose to walk you through it. And in that case, you're definitely going in. There's another option here. Listen to what the three guys say. They say, our, our God can rescue us from you, King. Ah, he'll do it. But, in verse 18, but even if he doesn't, those five words are powerful. Because here's what it means. There's a third option. God may take it from you. You may never have to step in. You may never have to. God may walk you through it. He'll walk you in. He'll walk you out. But you know what else? The option three. God could choose to deliver you by the fire. And here's that means, what that means. He will deliver you with this. He could choose this to deliver you straight into the arms of Jesus by this fire. So here we are. To, let's go back to our scenario. Tumor, cancer, and we go through our treatments. We do it. We know we're going into the fire so it, because he didn't take it from us, so we're in it. And we do everything the doctor said to do. We, we, take, we, we do all the surgeries he suggested. We do all the treatments he suggested, all the chemo, all the radiation. We go through what he suggested then. We're praying, God, take me through it. But then we sit down with the doctor and he says these words to us. 
I'm sorry. This cancer is not responding to our treatments. And we've done everything we know how to do. There's nothing more we can do. And in that moment, you realize God's going to use this fire. I'm going to be delivered by this fire straight into the arms of Jesus. That's so scary for us. I'm saying that alongside of you. That is so scary for us. In fact, my brother-in-law is going through that right now. After eight years of being in the fire, eight years of treatments, eight years of doing everything that the doctor said, everything, the doctor finally came back to him very recently and said, it's not responding any longer. It used to respond, but things have changed. And it's no longer responding, and we have nothing else we can do. We are at the edge, the limits of our science and our medicine. We have nothing to do. And at that moment, he realized this, this. God is going to use this. I will be delivered by this fire straight into the arms of Jesus. And in doing so, as we approach this kind of life fire, not only does our faith get bigger if we stay close to Jesus, not only does it get more pure, but ultimately it gets perfected. The reason why we dread this is one reason is that we have in our mind that whatever is next, whatever God has next for us is some kind of ghost town that we don't understand. Just a, a ghost town version of what we have here. But the reality is this. The reality is that what we have now is simply a ghost town version of what is yet to come. The reality is that what we are stepping into is so far beyond, so much more and so much better than what we have now. But our fear keeps us thinking about the ghost town. We also have this fear that we don't, we don't understand the process. Do we, do we fall asleep and then do we wake up? It was explained this way to me. That it is not a falling asleep and a waking up. But it is much more of a walking. And as you're walking, you're taking off your coat. And you lay it aside. And you keep walking but walking into a new, brilliant, heavenly reality. The Bible tells us 
that to be absent, if you're a follower of Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Not a drifting off to sleep and a waking up, but a stepping into an amazing new reality. In fact, there are some of us, when we, if we live long, the truth is this. If Jesus does not come back for His church soon, the reality is every single one of us are going to die. And God is either going to, at some point in your life, take you from the fire and the fire, and you don't even have to deal with it. Some of us are going to go through it, and He'll bring us out the other side. Some of us will be delivered by the fire. But the truth is, ultimately, every single one of us will die if Jesus does not come back first. He has the power to keep, it, keep the fire from us. He has the power to walk you through it. And for some of us, He is so ready to see you and for you to be face to face with Him that He will deliver you by the fire. But these young men were being very clear. Verse 18, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. They said, King, we may look vulnerable, we may look and appear weak and alone, but we are not alone. We are taking a stand. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with the three that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times harder than usual. Verse 20, then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Verse 21, so they tied them up. They threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and garments. Verse 22, and because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Do you understand that it took a miracle for these three to even make it into the fire so God could do what he was going to do because they should have died when the soldiers died, but instead they didn't. And the soldiers were supposed to throw them in. They died. They couldn't throw them in. So these guys had to just fall into the furnace to make this happen. Verse 23. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Verse 24. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement. He exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? And they said, Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, verse 25. Look! Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around the fire unharmed, and the fourth one looks like a god. And here's my encouragement to you, no matter what is happening, if you're going into the fire or you're being delivered by the fire, don't forget this, who you are traveling with. And don't forget who is beside you in this life and who you are beside in this life. When we're walking with Jesus, it means that He is walking with us. And He walked these three men into the fire, and now He's with them inside the fire. And here's our bottom line for today. Faith. Faith remembers there's a fourth man. 
in the fire. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. And he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. When they were thrown in, they were bound, they were tied when they fell in. But they walked out and they were free. Verse 27, then the high officers, the officials, governors, advisors crowded around them and they saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. In this case, in this scenario, God chose to make a statement not just to one person, not just to one family, not just to one group of people, not just to one city or one country. God chose to make a statement Not just to one nation, but he chose to make a statement to the entire world. And it was going to take a worldwide attention-getting scenario. And here it says, and their clothing was not scorched. I want you to know this. Be very careful as I continue this. Do not create from this story a prosperity theology that says this, that if you follow Jesus, that you will never be scorched, that you will never be hurt, because that's not the case. You look at the the disciples in the New Testament, and almost every single one of them, almost all of them died a horrible, horrible death. And that doesn't sound like prosperity to me. Do not misunderstand this scripture. We're not saying that you will never be scorched or you'll never be harmed. But we're saying this, that there will be a fourth man in the fire. You will not be alone. But it goes one step further. Not only were they not burned, not only were their clothes not scorched, but listen to this, they didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, we understand campfires, right? We understand roasting hot, uh, hot dogs, weenies. We understand roasting marshmallows. We understand that. We love to do that, right? We get around the campfire. We smoke the weenies. And guess what? We think everything's great and dandy. And then we, we don't realize how bad we stink until we pick up our clothes the next day to throw them in the, the dirty clothes. And we pick them up and we're like, oh, my word, these smell so bad. Because we, we were just full of smoke and we didn't realize it. But when you're traveling with Jesus, we can't, I can't tell you that you won't be scorched, but I can tell you this. If you are close to Jesus as you go into the fire, you're not going to come out smelling like smoke. I can't tell you you won't be hurt, that you won't be harmed, that there won't be any pain or suffering, but I can tell you this, you won't smell like smoke. But when we are far from God or drifting from God as believers, we start to smell like smoke. When we're far from God, even the the smallest things can make us smell like smoke. I mean, we can say, well, they they didn't recognize me at church. After I did that for the church, they didn't recognize me. We say, they didn't notice me. They didn't say hi to me when I walked up on the porch, and they didn't say bye to me as I left. Or we might say, look what they did for them. They didn't do that for me. 
Oh, they must have favorites, or I'm not a favorite, or this is a clique, or I'm just not part of it. We begin saying things like that, and the people around us begin saying, Whoa, wow, you smell like smoke. You've been roasting weenies? Dude, you smell like a bad Boston butt gone wrong. And it doesn't even take a big fire for that to happen. That could happen over a candle. You could just walk by a warm spot on a seat and you could smell like smoke. If we're walking close to Jesus, when we're in the fire, we're not going to smell like smoke. We may have to go into the fire. We may be in a very tough, life-threatening life situation, but we don't have to smell like it. Verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and they were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any God except their own. Verse 29, therefore I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race, nation, or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. There's no other God who can rescue like this. I can't tell you how God is going to deliver you, but He will deliver you. He's going to deliver us from the fire, or He will deliver us through the fire, or He may choose for some of us to deliver us by the fire, but it still remains that faith remembers there's a fourth man in the fire. And this morning we're asking you not to give up. Somehow he's going to rescue you. And some of us, he'll deliver us from it. We won't have to go into the fire at all. And our faith will be, be bigger. It'll grow. Don't give up. Some of us, he's going to rescue us, deliver us through the fire. And I want you to know you're not going to be alone. And some of us, he's going to deliver us by the fire. He's going to use this circumstance to escort you into the arms of Jesus. But faith knows this. If I go into the fire, if that is where God allows me to go into the fire, there is a fourth man in the fire. This morning is the next step. It is simply the same next step as last week. We're going to ask you to read eight verses a day through the end of this, Psalm 119, just eight verses a day. Talk to God about it. And also one chapter of Proverbs. But then today as we close, we're going to ask you to join me in this. I'm going to read something to you. Then we're going to go back and I'm going to ask you, will you just simply read it with me? A statement of faith. Here's the statement. It says, I stand and believe. I believe the love of the Father sent His Son to the cross to pay the price for my actions, my words, attitudes that miss God's standard of holiness. Three days later, Jesus defeated sin and death as He walked out of the grave. And now God's Spirit lives within all who submit their lives to Jesus and follow Him. On this I stand and believe. 
While I walk this life in this fallen world, I will have struggles, hurts, and pains. But I am not alone because God's Spirit is with me. He is my guide. He is my helper. God may choose to deliver me from the fire. I will praise Him. God may choose to deliver me through the fire. I will praise Him still. Or God may choose to deliver me by the fire, and I will see Him, and I will worship Him at His feet. Jesus said, He will never leave me nor forsake me. So if He allows me to enter the fire, I will not be alone. He will be with me. No matter the path, no matter the trial, no matter the outcome, I still will bow to no other. I am a Christ follower, loved by God, purchased by Jesus, led and comforted by His Spirit. No matter what may come, there's a fourth man in the fire. On this I stand. On this I believe. And this morning as we close, I'm just simply going to ask, will, will you read that with me? It's going to be on the screen for you. Here it comes. Will you read this with me? With a strong sincere voice i stand and believe i believe the love of the father sent his son to the cross to pay the price for my actions words attitudes that miss god's standard of holiness three days later jesus defeated sin and death as he walked out of the grave and now god's spirit lives within all who submit their lives to jesus and follow him On this I stand and believe. While I walk this life in this fallen world, I will have struggles, hurts, and pains. But I am not alone because God's Spirit is with me. He is my guide. He is my helper. God may choose to deliver me from the fire. I will praise Him. God may choose to deliver me through the fire. I will praise Him still. God may choose to deliver me by the fire. I will see Him and I will worship at His feet. Jesus said, He will never leave me nor forsake me. So if He allows me to enter the fire, I will not be alone. He will be with me. No matter the path, No matter the trial, no matter the outcome, I still will bow to no other. I am a Christ follower, loved by God, purchased by Jesus, led and comforted by His Spirit. No matter what may come, there is a fourth man in the fire. On this I stand, on this I believe. And my friends, faith must trust that there's a fourth man in the fire and you are not alone. And I ask you to stand strong, to not give up. Join me in prayer. God, we praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And God, you sent an angel or yourself to rescue those servants who were trusting in you. They even defied a king's command and they were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any other God except for you. And God, no matter if you choose to rescue us from this fire, we're going to praise you. 
If you choose to rescue us through this fire, we will praise you still. And God, if you choose to rescue us by this fire, straight into the arms of Jesus, we will worship at your feet. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.